0: I'm Sasha Feiler. I'm Stephen Cohen. And this is... Shut Up!
1: I Love It!
0: A podcast where our guests come on to champion a part of culture that's underrated and or underappreciated.
1: Joining us today, she is a photographer in the comedy community. She's also studying to be a nurse. She's
0: also Stephen's girlfriend.
1: I'm i am her boyfriend. Let's give, let's give her the agency in that... <laughs> <laughs> yeah uh, she's megan baker
2: hi hi megan, hi, megan. Welcome. welcome thank you thank you
1: for joining us today on excited the show to be here. and uh, well i know you're very excited because we're talking about is it your favorite movie of all time
2: probably all right
1: tell wow. us the title
2: take me home tonight
1: now we're not talking about the song
0: no. And if you think this song might be in the movie, you're wrong.
1: <laughs> well, Megan can tell us why. You <laughs> want to tell us why? Sure.
2: It's just because it was a movie that went through many title changes. And I think that this was a last minute edition that they picked to Take Me Home Tonight. So... No reason to have to put that song in the movie.
0: Although this movie was shelved for four years before mm-hmm. it was released, so you would think in those four years they could have found They could found have gotten the it. They yeah. could have gotten the rights.
2: Uh, maybe point. Eddie Money was asking for a lot. You don't know what his price is. <laughs> is he around still? Yeah, he is uh, alive and still performing.
1: I just know that this mo the the song Take Me Home Tonight is in McGruber. <laughs> the film McGruber was well used. used to great effect. So that's the real take me home tonight, if you ask me. In fact, that's why we named our cat MacGruber because it all comes back to
2: take me home tonight (laughs)
0: shout outs to our cat she's great she can bitch
1: (laughs) so take me home tonight should i summarize a a brief summary brief synopsis yeah i
0: don't think it requires an extended summary (laughs) well just because the plot is pretty simple
1: take me home tonight is the story of matt franklin played by topher grace from that 70s show he is a college grad an aimless college graduate working at a suncoast video m.i.t
0: graduate good point
1: yeah He's working at this video store. He doesn't have any plan for his life, but he does know that he still harbors a crush on the girl that he was in love with in high school. The
2: Frederick King.
1: Yeah, Tori Frederick King, played by Teresa Palmer. He encounters her at the Suncoast video store. He pretends that he works for Goldman Sachs. She tells him to come to a party at his sister's boyfriend's house. <laughs> like, why wasn't he going to this party already?
0: Nobody knows, but the rest of the movie does take place at that location for the most yeah,
1: part. His best friend, Barry Nathan, played by Dan Fogler, and his sister, Wendy, played by Anna Ferris. They all go to the party, hosted by her boyfriend, Kyle Masterson, <laughs> played by Chris Pratt. There's a lot of front-loading in, in this
0: podcast. We're doing a lot of front-loading. <laughs> we're just giving away all the information just so we can get right to And it.
2: make sure you know all the first and last names of all the characters. Yeah. very important.
0: Um, yeah, so
1: this is a movie about a guy trying to impress a woman by lying about his identity to the point where she will sleep with him.
0: And she does. Spoiler alert.
1: <laughs> yeah, we're going to spoil this movie, guys. We're going to spoil Take Me Home Tonight. So if you want to watch it, pause the podcast right now. Go watch Take me home tonight available on itunes
0: i think if you do worry about the spoilers it's not necessary because this <laughs> film is a retro kind of screwball comedy i would say hmm. i mean it takes place in the 80s which took me like a few minutes for some reason to figure that out i don't yeah. know why i was like wow they're really going with the video store <laughs> at this day and age in 2011 uh, they're really well, going for it. well
1: 2011 but shot in 2007. 2007. <laughs> Yeah, this movie sat on the shelf for four years.
0: The reason it was so shelved, because four years is pretty long, is because of the extensive drug use this film portrays. Hmm. And both Grace and the director of the
2: film... Michael um, Dowsey. That sounds right.
0: Both of them were defending the fact that this movie... Is not a parody of the 80s. It really is taking place in the 1980s. So they want to have as much drug use as possible. And boy, does it have a lot of drug use. And so the studios were pushing back. And because of that, the film was shelved for four years until two big producers from Imagine Entertainment finally made this happen for all of us to enjoy.
1: Well, that's interesting because it was made in 2007 right which is the point where like apatow comedies right like knocked up super bad is about to come out in 2007 these are movies where people do do drugs it's surprising that that would be a bugaboo for these but
2: also i feel like take me home tonight is so anti apatow because it is it is more of a streamlined studio comedy what i like about it and probably what i would defend most about it that like it It is an 80s movie like it is 100 percent doing that style of John Hughes party movies. I think 16 Candles is its biggest influence. And then also, it's funny that Imagine Entertainment is what got it made, because sadly, I've not seen this movie, but I was researching and watching trailers last night. I think it's a lot of American graffiti as well. A Ron Howard movie.
1: I disagree. (laughs)
2: He can say that as seeing American Graffiti. I have not seen it. I just think
1: American Graffiti is so defined by the fact that the characters aren't interacting with each other. You know, like they're all... The four main characters have a scene at the beginning. And then they don't interact with each other again the rest of the movie. They're all on their own separate adventure.
0: That's true. But this podcast is not about American history, No, it's guys. not.
1: Let's And it shall never be brought up again. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so, Megan, you started talking a little bit about it. But tell us, how many times have you watched this movie wow. in your I life?
2: I don't know. Maybe like between 15 and 20 times, probably.
0: <gasps> yeah, that's I a lot of times. I don't think there's a single movie that I've seen i don't know more than
2: uh, six seven times yeah i think
1: probably like back to the future is probably the movie i've seen the most times and that is like maybe 10 and you know back to the future has been out as long as i've been alive this movie's (laughs) been out for eight years which is not a short amount of time anymore but yeah megan why do you love this movie so
2: much well, we watched it again last night mm-hmm. and I And by we you mean uh, you, Stephen, and McGruber. And, <laughs> and also, <laughs> also my brother. brother. <laughs> but McGruber more important. Mm-hmm. So I watched it last night specifically, looking at it more in terms of a film, which is weird to say, but often when I've watched it and why I became so like impassioned about it was because I like feel when I watch it. It's a movie more about like feeling where it's about excitement about being at a party it's kind of this like fantasy for me and so like i watch it and i feel like this mix of nostalgia and energy and like hype and rarely watch it and in, in terms of like does this story work do these characters work <laughs> so last night i watched it in that context and asking myself like is this a good movie and my takeaway was yes i think it is Sasha
0: <laughs> so had you ever seen this movie or heard of this movie before? Haven't seen or heard of it. I was barely familiar with Topher Grace, to be honest.
2: Mm. I mean, I love that this is a movie, aside from Chris Pratt, like everyone in this movie has track records of like bombs. This is, it feels like a cursed movie because everyone in this movie has pretty like bad luck with Well, and it's cinema. not like Chris
1: Pratt had any uh, traction going into this. Yeah, He was on Everwood. the tv show and that was kind of it like this is way before people knew or cared who chris pratt was
2: oh yeah didn't even make it on the poster
1: so can i bring up one thing that you said last night oh sure which is that in a way this movie is like you vicariously living a party experience because that's not something you really... Yeah,
2: I think it should be stated up front, like, I've never drank or done any drugs. You've never tasted alcohol? Never. Well,
1: she accidentally drank my gin and tonic a Mm -hmm. couple times, thinking it was
2: water. Yeah. Uh, What was your reaction, Megan? Gross. Mm -hmm. Very gross. Mm -hmm. Uh, Yeah, so, when I pitch this to someone, when I, like, tell someone that I love this movie, I also kind of, like, leave this caveat of, like, I've never really experienced a party, and so this is what I imagine or like what my dream like scenario is where it's the eighties first of all. And then there's music that I like and there's like dancing and trampolines and yeah, like just tons of like big bombastic stuff. Yeah. Not something I, you
0: know, have a fantasy about like a crazy big bombastic party, but I can see how someone would. And
2: I do like probably most of my favorite movies are like, Party movies. I love a movie that like takes place in one night. It's just about being at a party. There's a lot of like slow motion dancing and jumping, and like that's my drug. That's why I'm like this movie is feeling for me. Like it is, it is an emotional almost like a connection. song. Yeah, like would be. yeah. what hmm. you feel in Which, a song is like what I feel for an hour and a half watching this. Wow,
0: Stephen, what about you? What is your connection? I mean, I think we can guess that you've seen this movie because Megan has seen it. Well, times, so I would
1: seen this movie. Once before I met Megan, I guess I probably must have watched it like when it came out. Uh, and then I, Megan says, on our third date, we watched this.
2: We were gonna go see like some French movie across town, and then Obama was here and there was really bad traffic. So, thanks, Obama.
1: (laughs) So, yeah, Yeah, we stayed. You brought a a few DVDs over, yeah, and we decided to watch this one because I knew that you loved it because Megan has can i say yeah megan has a take me home tonight tattoo
0: whoa
2: (laughs) (laughs) yep true yeah it's on her back just
1: below her neck right Mm -hmm.
0: would you describe it for our listeners so
1: if you've seen the poster for the movie it's very bright and colorful and the four main Mm -hmm. characters faces in colored boxes right and so megan's tattoo is not the faces but the colored boxes and they say take me home
0: yeah as the border did you come up with the design
2: Uh, Yeah, I just, (laughs) I really wanted to get this tattooed because I feel like a lot of my tattoos are just like expressions of my personality. Like each piece that I have or like, I don't have sleeves or anything like that. They're all disconnected because I just think they're each a representation of kind of what makes up who I am.
1: Like the wolf paw Mm -hmm. on your wrist because you're a wolf. (laughs)
2: Uh, It was because when I was five years old, I wanted to become a wolf when I grew up. (laughs) And then I moved to Texas and my high school mascot was a wolf. So it all came full amazing circle.
0: we're learning so much about megan mm-hmm. our guest who is obsessed with <laughs> the film we're discussing today and wolves so steven did you love the movie the first time you saw it no did um, you lie to megan about liking it uh,
1: probably not <laughs> i all don't right. know i mean probably i was honest i don't know megan did i lie to you
2: I don't think so. I think maybe you were trying to be encouraging, but I I knew you didn't love this movie and I never expect anyone to love this movie the way I do.
0: Maybe that's a good thing for you, right? You almost feel like it claim more ownership of it if nobody else likes it, you know what I mean? That
2: is like one thing, like why I have the tattoo and, and everything is I know no one else has this tattoo. I know no one else w- will stand for this movie the way that I do and I... I think it makes it special to find a movie like I one of Steven's favorite movies is like Back to the Future which is a movie I love but so many people Everybody love it. That. That that's movie, and that's the yeah. thing. It's like I Who think cares? it's really special to find a movie that you're like I love this movie and no one else shares this opinion.
0: What do you think people think of this film? Do they not know about it? I think... Or do they not like it? I think and a lot of why? people
2: don't know, as you said, because this movie was shelved, it had a super small release. It's crazy that I went to see it when I was like in college, like a bunch of my friends, we went to see it. I remember we had gone to the theater maybe a few weeks ago, and I just saw the poster and I said, I'm going to see that. I knew whatever that was. I liked the song. I liked who was in it. I was like, I'm going to go. And so we went opening weekend. And of course, like no one's there. So... I just think it's either a movie that's no no one has seen or if they have seen it like on that when it was on Netflix for a while the reaction is very just like uh, it's a movie like
0: that's what I felt for the most part watching it mm. I was like it's a movie that's like not doing it for me. And that's why I was interested to hear that you have so much emotion coming from this film. Because to me, it was like a film that has all the parts there. I totally see what they're going for. And then a lot of things are just not working for me because they're almost like too tame or not original to me. But then again, when I say that, I also have to say that a party movie or like the 80s movie is not something I would like respond to with excitement anyway. And I don't have the nostalgia that most Americans have about John Hughes movies.
1: Have you seen which one? Which one's all of them? them. I mean, I think probably all of them. Yeah. Yeah. Some people really connect with those.
2: I was one of those people. I went through a huge John Hughes phase when I was in like middle school. I memorized like Breakfast Club and 16 Candles. So it is no surprise that I saw this and I see all the things that it's pulling from. And those are already all my favorite kinds of movies. It's from the time period and also that kind of movie that falls in between being like a rom com, but then also this like, one day adventure kind of comedy. those are all my genre. So to me, it's just like it hits all these things that that line up correctly. and yeah, that's it becomes my movie. Have you
0: seen Game Night? Yes. Do you like it? Yeah. Yeah, just because it's like a one-night I mean, adventure. they could have
2: gone to more parties, but it's still very fun. <laughs>
0: Topher Grace could have been in it.
2: And this is the other thing I want to bring up, because usually when I tell people I love this movie, they're like, oh, you're a big Topher Grace fan. And I'm like, that's not really my character for this movie. My character for this movie is Barry Nathan, played by Dan Fogler. That I Something I re- that really draws me to this movie is when I saw that character, I said, that's me. Like... <laughs> I feel like there's very few movies I watch that I feel like I can relate to any character. Like, I mean, you just... I a lot of characters are broadly drawn, especially in comedies that don't have a specificity. But there's something about him, like all his cho- weird choices. And also I feel like I would act that way if i somehow was like i'm gonna fucking do coke right now <laughs> sorry just but so like it's okay. I. Oh, it's fine.
1: <laughs> so this character barry is the chubby best for... he's fat
0: he's not yeah. chubby he's a fat guy easily been played by um, jonah hill uh, who could oh him. not josh gad
1: that type mm-hmm. he did not go to college is like the the main thing for this character and instead he stayed in their hometown los angeles california
0: <laughs> what a shithole <laughs>
1: and he worked at a import car dealership for bob odenkirk who has no lines in the film
0: i wonder like bob odenkirk at that point what's his status like breaking so bad. breaking
1: bad started i think in like 2007 or 2008 oh, even wow. maybe and bob odenkirk wasn't even in the first season i don't think
0: so i think he was just like a mr show yeah reference. like
1: he, comedy people knew who
0: he was mm. Because at this point, watching it and seeing him and being like, whoa, he doesn't really say anything.
1: That's a waste. Well, and then even in the deleted scene, he has a deleted scene. We watched the deleted scenes um, for some reason. Because uh, uh, <laughs> we were
2: looking for Jennifer Goodwin. I do yeah. want to say that. Jennifer yeah. Goodwin. was listed in the credits, from, unseen in this movie. Uh, from uh, Character
1: of Banky. Yeah. What was that show called with Bill Paxton uh, about the Mormons? Oh, Big, Big Love. love? Yeah, oh, Jennifer I always, Goodwin from Big Love. I always
2: think of her as sh- she's just not that into you, is what i That's my um, touchstone for her. She's
1: credited in the film, but we could not find her. And so we were and if looking If anyone in the who deleted listens scenes, to the
2: podcast knows any information, please contact us.
1: Text Megan. Or just post a comment. <laughs> yeah, or do that. And so we watch the deleted scenes, and, and Bob Odenkirk has a scene where he's firing Barry. And it's not good. Like his performance is not good.
0: Well, Bob Odenkirk, I think he's not, like, an amazing actor, but he's become a really solid, dramatic actor while Breaking Bad was happening. Yeah, you know. but
1: even, like, it doesn't even seem to be capitalizing on, like, some of the weird Mr. Show stuff. that it, He's just essentially saying pussy, pussy, pussy over and over again in the deleted scene. It's very strange. This yeah. is 2007, right? So, like, people were more loose with calling each other, you Bitch know, like, and, yeah. and like retarded, which is a Mm -hmm. word that I hate to say. So Barry gets fired, and so he's upset but he's going to go to the party to, like, pick himself up. And on the way to the party, they they realize that he can't roll up in his sister's station wagon. Topher Grace is pretending to be a banker. He's got to come in a nice car. So Barry's like, I got the keys. Let's steal one of these cars. Topher
0: Grace says, please don't. But then he imagines how good would it be to roll into this party in this fancy car. And so he agrees, even though he's friend probably will go to jail for this.
1: (laughs) Uh, And they steal this car and they're listening to Straight Outta Compton (laughs) and they both multiple times mouth the N-word. Though,
2: (laughs) as I was watching this and definitely comparing it to 16 Candles in my mind, like I was trying to make that connection a lot, especially because that's probably my favorite John Hughes movie. But that movie is the most problematic John Hughes movie at the same time. So like also in that comparison, I'm like, well, at least there's no rape. There's no Asian stereotypes. So. Although I'd
0: say there is a thing of like, he lied to her to have sex There's with definitely
1: her. some sexual manipulation going on.
2: They but they bring this up in the movie where he's like, "Did you just sleep with me because I'm a banker?" And she doesn't. They fall in love, but yes, I also. But understand. also, like
1: that's the writer of the movie. Like that's not that's not a thing
0: that really happened. Mm-hmm. So okay, let's cut to that. Two writers of the movie, a man and a woman who yeah. also created the 70s that, that show. show. Mm-hmm. Oh,
1: they're the creators. Mm-hmm. Oh, I didn't know. I know they're at least, at least writers. At least writers on that show. So let's jump to that part because I do want to talk about that. So. He starts the movie kind of like acting too cool for school whenever he runs into her, like he doesn't remember her or anything like that. Pretends. And pretty quickly he admits that that part is fake. But he still keeps going with the banker lie. And then they sneak into someone else's backyard. They leave Chris Pratt's party and go to Michael Ian Black's party. Michael Ian Black is Teresa Palmer's boss. And uh, Topher Grace impresses everybody with some math i and wish i could do that <laughs> impress so more, people with math yeah
2: more wish fulfillment <laughs> well you are
0: enrolled in school with and doing so poorly in math
2: But
1: she's doing really well in math i just want everyone to know she'll be the it. next toe for grace he lures her into another person's <laughs> backyard her.
2: i don't like this verbiage they
1: get on a trampoline they play truth or dare and they have sex And immediately after having sex, he's like, whew, that was fun. Now let me tell you the truth. I work at a video store. And she's
0: like, no way. (laughs) Right. And he's like, no, I do. And she's like, no way. Mm -hmm. And he keeps going on and on until I start seeing her face changing. And she's like a good actress. She's very attractive. And I'd say she's a good actress, but she's not a great actress. Mm. So it was like a very subtle change in her expression. And I was like, I think she's finally believing me. (laughs)
1: Yeah, and she gets understandably very upset. So Uh, upset
2: that she loses her American accent a little bit. (laughs) Really? The
1: actress is Australian. We rewound that scene like three times. There's one line where she's like, Congratulations, you just had sex with your crush. Not
2: that bad, but it slips a little bit.
1: (laughs) Um, Yeah, and so then, like, she is understandably like, you lied to me about this essential part of who you are and how you were presenting yourself to me. And he's like, no, no, everything else was real. Mm-hmm. Everything else we talked about was real. And then he brings up like, did you just sleep with me because you thought I was a banker? Is like, cool.
0: <laughs> like, yeah, let's turn this around on her. To me, it's interesting because it's like casting of uh, Topher Grace almost like halfway solves the issue that he sexually manipulated her. Because, you know, like, if you imagine, like, a creepier-looking guy doing that, who's, like, less cute and less, like, sort of uh, innocent-looking, then you just become alarmed, Mm. I think. You
2: think Tover
1: Grace has a nice enough...
2: Enough that you're like, hey, he's a good guy. Well, I feel like also his performance in everything he does, he's always playing high status, but someone who knows he's low status. Like everyone always calls him out on his bullshit and he seems like someone who's very insecure about himself, but he can put on with his snarkiness that he's hot shit. I
1: don't know. For me, his casting and performance is the biggest problem with the movie, but we can talk about that. Once we're done talking about how he manipulates this woman. (laughs) So, yeah, a big thing that's been looming over the entire movie is this ball, which is a big steel ball that Chris Pratt has in his truck. Chris Pratt lives on the top of a hill. And the idea is someone's going to ride this ball down the hill and enter into legend. Uh, I just
0: imagine like the writers coming up with that. They're like, there's a thing he has to do that's like super crazy. And everybody watches him do it. What is that? I don't know. Jet skiing and then like windsurfing like, and they bring up No, they're in the, the valley. They're like,
1: let's just put ball in the script for now and we'll change it once we come up with a better idea.
0: <laughs> and they're like, you know what? we got to keep the ball and then have most disgusting shots of him inside the ball vomiting. <laughs> there himself.
1: is a pretty graphic vomit scene. As, so, yeah, long story short, Topher Grace decides to ride the ball, I guess, to prove to Teresa Palmer that... He has nothing to lose at that point. But I I also
2: don't... I mean, part of it, I guess, yes, is for Teresa Palmer, but I think it also harkens back to the conversation he just had with his dad, who his dad is telling him, is like, you never try. You Mm, are just existing and just do anything. Yeah, Yeah, take a
0: shot in the dark. But then also his dad is the one that establishes that if there's one thing he wants for his son to do in this life is to ride the ball because he does say <laughs> nobody's ridden the ball in a long time and oh my god in dinner scene at the beginning
1: Yeah, right. He, that's how he's introduced his dad played by Michael Bean from Terminator which is amazing by the way yeah, great casting
0: supposedly Tofa Grace personally made that phone call well, uh, to invite Michael Bean because he's obsessed with Terminator
1: hmm, not because he's obsessed with Abyss the, uh, f- is he in the Abyss yeah. oh yeah oh that's right he's the like oh. he's the guy that goes crazy yep Oh man. No, I was gonna say there's a William Friedkin movie where I forget what it's called now, but he's like a, a It has the most forgettable title. Yeah. Michael Bean is like a a, a
2: lawyer. He's a lawyer? Oh
1: Yeah. I, yeah, he's a lawyer and he's representing a serial killer and he like mm. gets the serial killer off and
0: then the serial killer's like, I'm gonna kill your family. <laughs> Don't trust serial killers. But uh, no, Michael never. Bean is mostly known for his military roles mm-hmm. in James yeah. Cameron films. Right, from the
1: Aliens, 80s. Abyss, Terminator.
0: And probably something else that we cannot remember <laughs> right now. Yeah, I'm surprised he's not in Avatar. I wonder if... Uh... Is he not for sure? We I know mean, that we, 100% see, we got or... five
2: movies to find there out. There
1: are multiple sequels. Maybe he's in one of the. <laughs> <I'm
2: sorry. laughs> <laughs> by the time uh, this podcast come out we'll still be three years away from the sequel um
1: <laughs> yeah so michael bean is dead and michael bean is disappointed in his son's lack of motivation in life understandably i think
2: i'd say that's another strong point of this movie and maybe something and the reason why this has been such an attractive movie to me is because i've spent a lot of my life especially like when I saw this in college and then I dropped out of college and then I watched this again, like about feeling not knowing where to go in life or what to do. And I feel like most of the movies that tackle that subject of youth feeling aimless are high school movies are like right out of high school. And like, that's always a frustrating thing. It's like, yeah, you're 17. Like you don't know what to do, but not as many movies I think tackle like, 20 something's trying to figure that especially
0: out especially when most actors are in their early 30s exactly
2: which very <laughs> obvious in this movie but still like that's something that i really related to where i've watched this movie so many times when i'm in places in my life where i'm just like yeah i i don't know what i'm doing and i don't know what i want and that's such a frustrating feeling and i think this movie nails it in those scenes and so it's also interesting to watch it now as you guys brought up at the beginning like i'm in school for nursing now which was a late in life choice of like This is what I wanted to do. But it took like a lot of time to find my whale, as they say in the movie. Mm.
0: Yeah, that's interesting. I'm just like listening to you and thinking of like how films really... And art in general really finds sort of the core wound or the core something that we all carry. And like when you see that piece of art... You're like, oh, that speaks to me because that's where it happens. I think the response, you know, it's just that connection between who you are and what this piece of art is talking about. I don't know. That's kind of cool because like those are not the themes that I, you know, obsess over. And so that's why maybe I don't respond to John Hughes movies or mm. this movie in particular. But it's interesting to see someone who, who does.
1: We had started talking about Barry the character you identify with. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm a Barry Nathan type. <laughs> so he gets fired. He steals this car with Topher Grace. And inside he finds cocaine in the glove box. And that kind of becomes his driving force throughout the rest of the film. Uh Doing cocaine. Showing it to people. Trying uh, to have
0: sex with women. Some of them more older women.
1: Yes, he seems to have a thing for older women. Um, and he finds one at this banker party that they go to. It's <laughs> who... a very
0: disturbing, I would say, scene. <laughs> uh, like I'm, you know, like whatever. I don't, you know, sex in movies. Who cares? Like it's not a big deal. But oh my god, like it's,
1: it's aggressive, hateful sex uh, between Barry and this older woman. Do they
0: end up having sex, or is it all kind of interrupted or
1: uh, on? A little bit. So she definitely Goes gives him a blowjob. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think they are having sex. Of course. Yeah. So th- th- also a part of this is a an odd german man mm-hmm. in leather costume <laughs> older man. He is watching them. That's part of the deal that that Barry and this woman make is that this guy likes to watch.
0: Non-negotiable, I think that's what mm-hmm. she says or something like that.
1: Yeah, um and it seems, I believe they are having sex during that part where the German man gets very close to them.
0: Well, she exposes her big breasts. She does. And this is the first time I'm like, oh, no, no, they are showing breasts in this movie. This is an R-rated
2: movie. This is
1: the character Trisha Anderson, played by Angie Everhart, uh, in case you want to Google it. (laughs)
2: Uh, I will say that... I'm not that much like very native. Like, okay, this so is,
1: you have no, You no, don't think you your but, experience would go to that No, extent. but I
2: like that in that scene when she like proposes this to him of like, you know, if you want to have sex with me, this guy's going to watch. His delivery of, I'm going to try this. Like, I feel like that is my <laughs> response funny. to the, these things of like, if I were in these scenarios, I think I'd be like, I'm going to try this uh, cautiously, but I'll go into this. And so, you know, this movie being a wish fulfillment is like, Barry Nathan, when he comes on screen and especially just like his introductions and how he acts was what I was drawn to. It's like I, that his awkwardness feels like the kind of awkwardness I feel at parties and like why he comes up to Matt and says like, I have to do the coke. And like that desperateness of... I don't belong in here. I need to find a way to belong in here. I'm going to try this thing to see if that works. Not really me because I have no, I've never responded to peer pressure. Obviously why I've never drank or done drugs, but just his cringiness in the way of like just not being able to work in any setting he doesn't work in any setting in the movie like he's not comfortable at work he's not comfortable at the party he's not comfortable with the women he's like trying to talk to it's just like constantly being uncomfortable
0: spoiler alert he ends up with a very attractive woman at the end that I I found shocking that like that happened for I, they her. don't she's,
2: end up i think they just like hook up she
1: mm. has black hair so mm. it's the movie so, makes yeah. it clear that she she's has not the depth. leader she's or, not yeah. just a beautiful woman mm-hmm. uh the and this character is ashley played by michelle trachtenberg from buffy the vampire slayer and Harry the spy who megan did refer to as michelle tannenbranch uh Sounds, when we watched uh, the movie to me as if anyone's ha- ever had that name uh but okay. you, you know
2: trachtenberg's though
1: I know Michelle Trachtenberg, the the moderately famous actress.
0: <laughs> I was just impressed with the the fact that like they kind of hit it off. He didn't Follow up on that? Yeah, no, that's so like
1: halfway through the movie, Barry gets in a dance-off with a man who can dance.
2: My favorite part of any movie, a (laughs) dance-off. A dance-off
0: is a great part of a movie. As much as I'm not into like party movies, like a dance-off is when my eyes are glued (laughs) to the screen. I'm like, okay, what is going to happen? Who's going to win? How are they going to have, you know, the chunky guy (laughs) perform a really cool dance move against this obviously a professional dancer and the answer is they don't right which like, also
2: what i like about it because i can't dance at all and i like if i had to be in a dance-off i'd be faking it like that just doing weird moves but at the same time i love that it's played by dan fogler who is a like tony award-winning person and, like very much can dance
0: what well, tony award for one
1: won for the musical the 25th annual putnam county spelling bee okay. uh, which is a musical about kids in a spelling bee played by adults that i appeared in in a la production playing the role that dan fogler i'm a dan fogler type yeah anyway that's not important uh the fact that i was in the
2: play (laughs) or that you were his type but hey um but but, also uh, might say a lot about me yeah
1: what is that (laughs) the character that megan connects with in the movie she's dating a guy who is a dan fogler type
0: plot thickens Mm mm-hmm
1: but not in this movie, I would say. The plot is never very thick. No, but it's not the tonight. kind of
0: movie yeah, that plot. Yeah, I don't need it f- to be. Yeah. Plot.
1: Fair, fair. Um, so he has this dance-off. When it becomes clear that he is not going to win, he instead kicks his opponent in the nuts, as I think this movie would call them. Accidentally? No. No, no. no, it was uh, very much on purpose. And uh, a fight ensues, and then afterward, Michelle Tannenbranch comes up to him and tells him... <laughs>
0: <laughs> she's done right?
1: uh tells him that she thinks it was really cool what and he this did. is the
0: point where he should be super excited about it and completely follow her instead of thinking about some mm-hmm. other women does, she
1: licks his
2: face and she says find me later
1: yeah he never but then he up. leaves that party
2: yeah because he's following matt and stuff like that and he does you don't know what happens to that car when he's with those other women he's <laughs> Got another blowjob? I don't know. He's got coke.
1: But yes, it's strange. I mean, I guess they've established that he likes older women. He's flirting, or no, he's not flirting. He's trying to hit on an older woman at a, a record store. At, at the, the cold of the open movie. of
2: the movie, which is, I think, the most significant of that. This was movie written by TV writers. The fact that there is like a cold <laughs> open
0: that makes sense. Yeah.
1: Um. So maybe he's not interested in a Michelle Tannen branch at that point because she's too young for him.
0: Maybe there's more to Barry's character than we're discussing
1: here. Well, I think Megan definitely has found untold
0: depths in (laughs) in
2: all of these characters.
0: What about Chris Pratt?
2: Kyle Masterson.
0: So Kyle is uh, Wendy's boyfriend.
2: (laughs) He kind of exists to be the butt of jokes for uh, our lead character, Matt, because Matt is just constantly ragging on how stupid he is even though we don't really get to see him being stupid as many times as i think like another movie would play on
1: i wonder how it's written because chris pratt is like giving the character a lot of like grounded dignity uh, in his performance up until his very last scene i think
2: well he cries
0: yeah,
1: yeah. it's pretty bad uh- yeah, like, that's
2: that is a a very extra scene. Yeah,
1: like that to me seems like how the character was maybe meant to be the entire film, like as as kind of like a broad uh, caricature that you can kind of more see why Topher Grace doesn't like him. But you know, maybe that that's the point. I don't know. Is that he he's not this overtly like doofus guy, and you can maybe kind of get a sense of why the Anna Faris character likes him.
2: And that's, I mean, that's something I really like about this movie, comparing it to the 80s movies that it's inspired by. All those 80s high school movies, especially John Hughes movies, are all about the cliches, all about, like, what clique you fit into, and, you know, the stereotypes of of youth at the time. This movie, everyone at this party, like, you can kind of get a sense, like, oh, where they fall into, like, you, Kyle and his friends are more the jocks, and you have... Broder, who's like the stoner, and you have kind of yuppie, you have a little bit of everybody. But at this party, everyone kind of convalesces together. Like, I don't think you see it. It's not playing off of cliches. Like, even though Matt Franklin, as they set up in the opening with the yearbook, that you're like, okay, he's probably a nerd, like, really goody two-shoes type. But you don't, the character isn't stuck in that role. No one's stuck in a, in a box of, of nerd athlete, uh, beauty queen. I'm just listing Breakfast Club characters, but that's what, and that's something. Basket case. <laughs> that's, there's, mm-hmm. uh, Ma- Michelle Trachtenberg is definitely the basket case. Mm. Uh, but I like that it is a little bit more broad with its depictions of characters that they feel more like real people, especially like in their 20s. They're not it, trapped in kind of these or 80s. Or early hi- 30s <laughs> when you really look at them closely. <laughs> I definitely thought about as I was watching, I was like, man, they look way older than me. <laughs> way older (laughs) though they're not now but
0: so uh chris pratt to me is just like you know playing a douchey white guy that he is and he's doing decent job like i didn't you know i didn't like hate or like I i thought he owned it well yeah
1: i think he's he's giving the character some depth which is
0: nice he has a black friend
1: he does he does there aren't many black Characters in this film.
0: There's an ethnically ambiguous uh, lady who's a friend of uh, Tori Frederick. Yeah.
1: And uh, Michael Bean's partner is is black as well. About it. uh,
0: None of them have lines, I'm going to say right
1: now. (laughs) I would say say between those three characters, there are six lines, maybe?
2: It is problematically a white movie.
1: (laughs) In Los Angeles, an overwhelmingly white city, as we all know. (laughs) Um, Oh, uh, Anna Ferris was nominated for a Teen Choice Award nice. for a Choice Movie Actress in a Comedy for this.
2: There was no Best Kiss uh, in who this movie. Would,
1: what would be nominated for that? Barry and uh, the woman?
2: <laughs> yeah. I mean, The, the Lick by Michelle Tannenbrand. The uh, Lick. That's, yeah. That should be That's the name kiss. of a movie.
1: Mm-hmm. The Lick. <laughs> so here's who Anna Ferris was up against mm. uh, in that category. It was Ava Mendez and the other guys. My um, Rudolph in Bridesmaids, Kristen Wiig in Bridesmaids, and so Pretty then
2: huge.
1: the winner then is somewhat surprising: Cameron Diaz in Bad Teacher.
2: Oof. Ooh, that's the only one of those I haven't seen.
1: I just, the brides, maybe they split the bridesmaids vote. Yeah. I don't know, but uh, yeah. it's interesting.
2: It is surprising. This is, sorry, this is the Teen Choice Awards? Yes.
1: Hmm. yes
0: the teen... I think the only award this I guess here's about. the
1: thing, you know, teens, teens don't know anything about weddings, right? Teens don't know from brides, but teens know teachers. And, and parties. No, and know when they're bad. <laughs> oh, I wanted to... Um, Bring up some reviews, some reviews from the time to see what, because I like to do this from time to time, see what critics thought of the movie when it was released. And so I found a few. Most of them are negative. This movie has like a low 20s on Rotten Tomatoes. Yeah. And
0: I would say that just uh, financially speaking, this film was a huge flop. It came out 11th that weekend. Mm -hmm. It was in 11th place. Yeah. But it does have a cult following and DVD. I
2: yeah. also feel like maybe Topher Grace wrote that on the Wikipedia.
0: <laughs> Megan has
1: talked to Topher Grace about this movie. Are we allowed to talk about yeah, that?
2: Yeah, yeah. Oh, my God.
1: Megan was working at the Laugh Factory. Earlier. No, this
2: is I was shooting at UCBO's uh, I photographed Put Your Hands Together at Cameron and Rhea's show for a long time. And Doug Loves Movies was always before it. So... They would always have, you know, rando famos there. And I he was there for the show. And so I had to talk to him. I was like, I I, I like I approached him and I, went, and I said to him, I was like, oh, I really like your movie, Taking Me Home. And he seemed like kind of not super interested. And then I was like, this is my tattoo. And he like <sighs> lost it. And then we talked about where I was like, yeah, I, yeah, I think it's amazing. He's like, yeah, I, I really wanted to get like a cult following. And like, I think people are going to appreciate it. And I was like, yeah, I, I hope so. I, so he I'm said he you wants
0: got. it to get a call. Uh-huh. And yeah. this was so he, this
1: was like last year, right?
2: Oh uh, this may be longer than that, like two or three years ago. So well, like, yeah, uh... so he may
0: have altered the Wikipedia page. <laughs> I,
2: you know, wouldn't put it past him. <laughs> but I love if that he you can edit Star Wars movies. It. He can edit Wikipedia pages. Oh,
1: I forgot that about him—that he's like a ama- amateur editor on the side.
2: I did not know that about him.
1: He made a he made a cut of the prequels. Is that what he did? Mm-hmm. He like there's cut...
2: a yeah a cut of all three prequels as one movie.
1: What a nerd! Good for him. Yeah, which people I think think is good. Right. Weird,
2: he's not in fanboys.
1: <laughs>
2: I'm also a stand for fanboys.
1: Megan likes any any <laughs> under underrated underliked movie that Dan Fogler is in. <laughs>
2: yeah, pretty much. Uh,
0: is that his mo- biggest claim to fame? About being
2: unliked, yeah
0: okay
1: <laughs> he's he, i think i guess his biggest movie now at this point would be fantastic, fantastic beasts and where to find them
2: but yeah his career was after he got a tony which hollywood was like okay put him in movies make him work like every movie he was in like fanboys also shelved for like three years because they were trying to cut out a subplot from it mm. um those are my two big movies for him but yeah he's- and
0: i'd imagine he became more wanted in hollywood after jonah hill lost all the way <laughs>
2: I think, see, well, but that's when but Josh, no, that's that was Josh. the
0: rise of Gad. Because
2: Jonah Hill, to me, <laughs> why I don't think Jonah Hill would work in this, like, Jonah Hill's a little too mean. I'm not a huge Jonah Hill fan. And, like, yeah, I think he's a little. Jonah,
1: li- stop listening.
2: <laughs> Jonah,
0: if you're listening to this, I like you. Yeah. I briefly met him and he was very nice. Really? I'm oh. At a nice Look, hear. Jonah,
2: yeah. I've seen. 22 Jump Street, eight times in theaters. So I Meghan do have that. Movie also. I do appreciate That's that movie way a lot.
0: more than I have seen it, which is none. <laughs> it's pretty good. I hear it is. For like a comedy
1: sequel, it's mm-hmm. better than you think it should be.
2: I would argue perfect. You would. I'm trying to put off us having to hear bad reviews. <laughs> Here's what I some people interested. said.
1: Here's Ignati Vishnevetsky, the former AV Club
0: critic. That sounds like a Russian name. Yeah, he... Uh, I believe... Or Although, he's Eastern European uh, in origin, pretty for Russian. sure. Yeah, you would know. Uh, hey, I don't want to make a mistake and then be called, you know, an imperialist. We don't want to get canceled. No. Um, he said, I still
1: can't think of a reason why this couldn't have been set in the present. That's like his excerpt, which... I don't agree with that one.
2: No, yeah, cuz as we were talking about with this being the rise of like Apatow stuff, it's the vibe of this movie does not fit what comedy movies were at the time. And
1: No, yeah, com- comedies were like let's make them long, let's 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 let these jokes ride, you know, let's let the actors riff. And
2: also th- it's interesting you bring up the scene about, yeah, like where you see this woman's tits and you don't really expect that in this movie because even while this is a movie about drugs and like cocaine is a huge part of this movie, it still feels like a PG-13 kind Absolutely of movie. it does. Yeah. That's
0: why when the tits came out, I was
2: it really is. shocked. Besides
1: all the uh, like explicit drug use and a lot of F, there's a lot of f-bombs sure, yeah. hey, that's movie. nothing
2: but uh, yeah when you're comparing it to what was coming out at the time you're like this doesn't seem raunchy at all this but also seems really tame
1: i agree all of those john hughes movies are rated r
2: 16 candles is pg um, mm. i
1: have no idea i could okay. be wrong about that yeah, completely. I could be wrong. Uh,
2: his only r movie of those movies is uh breakfast club
1: Hmm. Okay, that's the one that I've seen. So, but
2: but yeah, that's why it feels it's
1: Ferris Ferris Bueller's PG thirteen,
2: and so that's why I think it it has to be in the eighties because those movies at the time, like even if they are are, they're still very like safe at least to our standards. So that's why I don't I don't think you can make this movie now, like set it in two thousand seven, because what. 20-somethings are doing at that time is way different.
1: Speaking of the 80s setting, Matt Singer, formerly of The Dissolve, his uh, review for IFC.com, if you're going to set your comedy in the same universe as the classic 80s comedies of John Hughes, you better make sure your movie is good enough to withstand the comparison. And he gave it Ooh. a C-. Obviously,
2: I've been making that comparison today. I think it is just as good, if not better. All
1: right. uh, Stephanie Zaharik... Uh, formerly of the L.A. Weekly. Nothing that happens in Take Me Home Tonight is surprising or affecting, and none of it is funny either.
2: I thought about that while watching it as the comedy aspect of it, because I do look at it as more of an adventure comedy romance hitting all those things. <laughs> and I, we did laugh while watching it. I still laugh. I think at the it.
1: funniest part is the German man. Really? Uh, <laughs>
2: I think the dance off
1: That's was pretty the, funny. I think like the comedy in the movie comes from two sources: Dan Fogler's manic energy and Topher Grace's snarky sarcasm.
2: <laughs> I think there's a lot of good reactions, especially from Anna Faris. I think Anna Faris brightens up every scene, and she can just like make small facial things that make me laugh. Well,
1: you said last night your favorite part of the movie is when Well you you tell. You would oh, know it so better it's, than it is. It's
2: me. after he's ridden the ball, he like, you know, ended up in a swimming pool. He and Dan Fogler are walking back all soaking wet and Anna Ferris had driven up with the car, but also uh the Fredericking's there and Fredericking and Matt have like a Conversation and like essentially recap the night of like what happened and their feelings. And she brings up, she's like, and then you fucked me, and then it cuts to Anna Ferris, whose like face like is shocked. She like turns around. Is a good reaction. Yeah, it's a it's a whole silent shot of like her turning around looking at Barry, and Barry just gives like a slight nod, and then I just love that moment. It's just like a great reaction from like both of them with no dialogue.
1: Uh Peter Travers from Rolling Stone famously A very easy grader. Like he is, he is notorious for giving bad movies good grades that end up with quotes on the poster. Not this time. Okay.
2: There are no quotes on the poster. Take me
1: home tonight has just enough heart and retro party spirit to hold the line before familiarity breeds contempt.
2: (gasps) Oh. I will say, and you know, this might speak ill of me. Probably also why I love it. Like it is. There is this familiarity to it. I think cuz it's a movie I could turn on at any point. There are, there's a lot of difficult movies I like too, but you just can't turn on, you know, uh, a Claire Denis movie at any point and be like, "I'm just going to like really enjoy this scene right now." But like I can how I got so into Take Me Home Tonight was it just became this movie when I was going through a difficult time or anything? I could just turn on, it felt familiar, it felt warm, and I could just live in it
1: i got one more from the main man roger ebert they speak entirely in plot points and punch lines and seem to be motivated only by lust greed and ego well we all are but few bring to this motivation so little intelligence and wit. that's oh 1.5 out of four how many 1. Wow. 1. 1.5
2: oh. i think we've brought up today uh, a lot of uh depth and Gravitas is brought to these characters by many of these actors.
1: Well, we've certainly talked a lot about the movie. And I think now is the time for us to talk about our overall reaction. So, Sasha, what do you think of Take Me
0: Home tonight? Try trying to think what well, would be a 10 for so me. So, Megan and I
1: were discussing this a little bit before we started recording. Megan, I forget what we had...
2: Well, because I would put something close to that being 16 Candles. Which, growing up, I would have said is a 10... Now, understanding how problematic it is, I would drop it down to like an eight or a nine.
0: I agree that that's uh, a good scale for someone who is in love with John Hughes movies. <laughs> but for me, they, they're they just pretty neutral yeah. part of uh, culture. So then I guess expand it. Yeah.
1: Right. The comedies.
0: Pridesmaids will probably be on a seven.
1: Okay. So if if you use that as a reference point. Where's Take Me Home Tonight? Take
0: me home tonight would be on the five. I think it's a pretty neutral like experience for me overall. You know, the cast really I think made things a lot better than it would have been. Like, like I mean a lot of times like an actor cannot save like, you know, questionable writing and stuff like that. But I think a lot of times what the they did in the editing room with reactions and things like that. So shout out to the editor of the film. So I still liked the film. But I would like find it easily forgettable at the same time. So I think a neutral five is where I was before this podcast. And that's where I am uh, still, I'd say. What about you, Steven?
1: Um, So I mentioned before my biggest problem with the movie is Topher Grace and his performance. The essential element of Topher Grace's persona, right, is his sarcastic snarkiness. And uh, I think in this movie where everyone else is is being pretty earnest you know even like Dan Fogler is manic to a huge degree but there's earnestness in what he's doing for me the fact that Topher Grace is like playing this guy who's almost ironically in this movie makes it suffer and makes that 80s movie comparison harder for me to accept because all those John Hughes movies, you know, no one acting in those movies is doing it ironically no. or sarcastically. And that keeps me from getting on board with this movie. And especially with getting on board with that character who is your driving force in the film. And so I I don't care that much for Chris Pratt. But I think I like what he's doing in this movie too. And so I'm, I'll put it at a four.
0: But that's not important, because no. what's important is what Megan thinks that's of this right. film.
1: So Megan, what is this movie for you?
2: It's definitely a 10. Great. <laughs> As I said, I really appreciate that we did this rewatch because I was able to look at it with a fresh perspective, and it actually gave me more confidence and understanding of like why I like it and how I can defend it to people. Like There's now elements and themes and moments and performances that i want to pull out and say oh but that's why it works and why i think it's better than other movies of its genre or even other movies that i liked before it why i think it supersedes the movies that all these critics are saying it's copying
1: Hmm. yeah well and even your brother who went to film school. There were like seven quotation marks <laughs> while Stephen was saying it. He was really taken by the
0: filmmaking. He wouldn't shut up about it. It is, it is a competent filmmaking, for sure.
2: We also, like, I mean, just recently, we've seen a lot of studio comedies just this year, and I'm constantly disappointed by them because they just feel like a bunch of scenes thrown together. You meet characters, and you never meet them again. And I love that this movie, It. it all flows... All the threads are are followed through on. And characters that you meet at a party, you see through the rest of the party. They are a part of the world. And so it is an all-encompassed film, I think, more than competent and, and super fun. And there's the ball.
1: The ball. The ball.
2: Represents balls.
1: Uh, and with that, as we all take our ball ride through the rest of our lives, um, we will leave you. Thank you, Megan. Do you want to plug anything?
2: Um, If you're ever at the hospital I work at, <laughs> shout me out. <laughs> what um, about like
1: your Instagram? You're always uh, doing yeah. stories with MacGruber.
2: Yeah, if you want to see my cats on Instagram... Uh, I'm at Comedy Hipster, and the shows that I still photograph, like the pics that are up there. All
1: right. You should come to the Moving Arts Theater on Hyperion Avenue, second and fourth Thursday of every month. Or at 9 p.m., you'll see the direct-to-video awards.
0: Thank you, Elizabeth Salute, for our artwork.
1: Thank you, Andrew Hayworth, for our theme music.
0: Thank you, Jay Hunter, for production support. And And thank
1: you for listening.